are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning, everybody. Man, I love that. I'm so glad that I get to share God's Word with you today. I love Graduation Sunday, and we are so proud of you guys. Um, At some point over the next few months, or maybe, thanks for waving, uh, years, you're going to move out of the house that you live in now with your parents. Or at least your parents are banking on the fact that you're going to move out. So our daughter Morgan, she moved out, went away to college. And then after college, she says to us, uh, we probably ought to sit down and talk. And so we did. And she said, don't want to you know, hurt your feelings, but I really don't want to move back home. And we said, well, we don't want to hurt your feelings, but we really don't want you to move back home. We'll help you with an apartment. What if we need to do, you know? But uh, at some point, as you guys begin to move out, get ready for that, there's probably going to be a talk. And the talk is probably going to go something like this. Now, you've lived with us and we've always been together, but now we're not going to be together. And so there's a few things that we think we ought to say to you. We just want you to hear some final instructions. One day, Jesus is with his disciples. And Jesus says to his disciples, we're not going to be together on and on like this. I'm going away. But before I go away, there's some things that I want to talk about. Just some final instructions like a parent might have with a graduating high school senior before they move off to college or wherever. And so here's what Jesus says to them. You ready? It's really simple. It's just a few words. I'm not ready for that. (laughs) Love one another. So just look at me for a minute, if you don't mind, and answer this question for me this morning before we get too deep into this thing. Is Is that kind of what your experience has been of the church? Now, some of you have hung around the church for a long time. So a lady passed away this week. Her name is Joy Beaver. She attended one church her entire life for 94 years, okay, and it was this church. Another lady, Dina Adams, passed away this week. Their funerals will both be Tuesdays and Wednesday, rather. And uh, these ladies kind of always in the church. So you may say, my story is like that. I've always been in the church. And we're going to celebrate their lives really well this week because they are saints of Jesus. I mean, they're incredible people. But it may be that you would say, I'm not hung around the church that long. What has your experience been? And maybe more importantly is, what do people who don't go to church think about all of us who do come to church? Do you know what I'm asking? So, are people looking at you and the life that you're living and saying, you know what, I I don't really understand it, I don't even fully get it, but these Christians, they are like incredible people. They love each other deeply. They care for each other deeply. They watch out for each other. I'm not in that community because I'm not a Christian, but I may one day become a part of that community because when you get in that community, I mean, they take incredible care of each other. They love each other like crazy, man. Or do people who aren't in the church, who look at those of you who are in the church in this community say, I don't know. Christians kind of make me scratch my head. Sometimes I look on social media and they're kind of going at it. I hear about churches getting into like church splits and stuff. 
I don't know that I want to hang around those guys. They kind of confuse me a little bit. Years ago, I opened a book in two little lines I can't forget, couldn't if I tried. Simply says, the Jesus in me cannot hate the Jesus in you. The Jesus in me cannot hate the Jesus in you. The Jesus in me can only love the Jesus in you. And so here's what I want to talk to you today about. Okay, here we go. I'm ready for it now. The truest mark of being a follower of Jesus is that we love one another. If I asked you this morning, are you a Christ follower? Are you a Christian? Would you consider yourself a disciple of Christ, a disciple of Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Are you a Christian? Well, the truth of the matter is, the truest mark of being a follower of Jesus is that we love one another. And if we don't have great love for one another, I'm kind of saying, I don't know, it concerns me because there's no doubt about it, truest mark of being a follower of Jesus is that we love each other. So I want you to open your Bible with me this morning, and I will also put the words on the screen for you, to John chapter 13, okay? John chapter 13, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 31. You might wonder why the lectionary would take us during this season of Easter, while we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, to the darkest hour of Jesus' life before His crucifixion. And I think that we will find an answer as we study to come to understand simply this, that all of Jesus' work, even His death on the cross, was all about one day you and me being raised to this new life to love one another deeply. So here we go. Let's look at the Scripture. It's the Last Supper, and it says when He was gone. Now you're going to ask, who was He? So Judas is in the room with Jesus, and Jesus has just said, that someone is going to betray me. And Jesus says, you know, could, could it possibly not be me, right, Lord? And, and then he leaves the room. So Jesus knows that the end is coming, okay? And so when he, meaning Judas, was gone, Jesus said, okay, the time has come. I know we're headed to the crucifixion. Now the Son of Man is glorified. So what does that mean? That means like, Lifted up. That means like exalted. That means like honored. Okay? Now the Son of Man is going to be honored, or He actually already is. And God is glorified in Him. Even God is honored. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. So that's a lot of glorifies, right? We're going to talk about it in a minute. My children. Language a rabbi would use to address students. I will be with you only a little longer. And, and you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Would you read the next three words with me? Love one another. But now read the next four words, five words with me. As I have loved you. So you must love one another. Now here's the, here's the closer. By this, everyone, meaning people who aren't Christian, okay, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way people are going to know that you're different 
is because of the love that you have for each other. The, the world is always watching and they're going to look at you and say, wow, those people love each other deeply. They care about each other like crazy. I'm not in that community, but one day I may be in that community because if you ever get in that community, they take really good care of each other. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So I got a friend, and he told me the other day, he said, uh, he's a pastor like I'm a pastor. And he said, I went to the dentist the other day and uh, had kind of an interesting experience. And I said, what, what happened? And he goes, well, the, the hygienist, he, he was a guy, he was cleaning my teeth. His name was Ishmael. And uh, he's trying to talk to me, and I'm trying to talk as much as you can with your you know, mouth you know, hung open while he's cleaning your teeth. And uh, he asked me, so what do you do? And so he said, I said to Ishmael, well, Ishmael, I'm a, I'm a minister. And Ishmael said, oh, that's interesting. He said, so over the next maybe five, ten minutes or whatever, me laying back in his chair, Ishmael tells me his story. And he says, you know, it's interesting. I grew up going to church. Went to church every Sunday. Wasn't a big church, but the people in the church, they were like family to us. It was like I had a lot of aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas and cousins. We were all very close. We had lots of potluck meals together. After I graduated from high school, Ishmael said, I go to the service. I was only in the military a little while until I was deployed out of the country, and I was really excited about coming back to the States and I was really excited about coming back home, and I was excited about going back to church. But my parents warned me, Ishmael, it's not good at church right now. Like, what do you mean it's not good at church? There's kind of a church fight going on. Church is kind of split into two sides. The one side kind of sits on one side, the other side kind of sits on the other side, and we really don't talk to each other. And Ishmael thought, there's no way. So he says, the first Sunday I'm back in my hometown, I, I, I go to church. But I was surprised that the people on the side that weren't on the side of my parents, they didn't talk to my parents. And even though I've been deployed out of the country and came back home, they didn't talk to me. And Ishmael says, I'm not proud of this, Pastor. But that was 13 years ago. And I haven't stepped my foot in a church since that day. See, this is a sad reality. And it's a sad reality that you probably can relate to to some degree. You might say, many of you in the room, I've kind of been a part of a church situation like that. But the sad reality is that God is not being honored. God is not being exalted. God is not being lifted up when something like that happens in a church. In fact, just the opposite is happening. What happens when you begin to read this final discourse that Jesus starts that will go on for four and a half chapters, He, he begins with this idea of excitement building. There is glory and there is glory and there is more glory and there is more glory, it's glory, 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 four times. The Son is being glorified. The Father is being glorified. 
the Father is going to glorify the Son, and therefore the Father will be glorified. And what he's really saying is, I have been lifted up, and God has been lifted up, and I'm going to lift up God even more, and God is going to be exalted, and God's going to be honored, and people are going to see God. But when a church is fighting, nobody sees God. They just see people who are supposed to be Christians fighting. And so, it's in the aorist tense in the Greek, is glorified, meaning God is glorified right now because of Jesus' life, because of His love, because of His sacrifice, because of the power of the miracles people see, God is being lifted up. And this is not a mistake that the two ideas are together. Because here's the bottom line. When we love one another, we honor God. And when the world around us see how that we love each other, then God is lifted up and God is exalted. And God is honored. The context is really important. It's the Last Supper. It's Thursday night. Jesus will be crucified on Friday. And so He's with His disciples and they have this evening meal together. But before they eat, Jesus does something that's shocking. Dusty roads, people are wearing sandals. When you come into the house, there's a servant, paid almost no money. The lowliest people on the planet in their mind, the poorest people. And the servant comes along with a basin of water and he crawls around on the floor and he shoves the basin around and he takes your sandals off and he puts your feet in the basin and he washes your feet off. And so this time Jesus pushes the servant back and Jesus gets on the floor. And Jesus is scurrying around. And He's taking sandals off of the feet of the disciples. And He's crawling all over the place. And He's washing their feet and He's drying their feet off. The disciples are like, this is really awkward. In fact, Simon Peter says, you, you, you can't do this. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, Simon, if I don't wash your feet, then I have nothing to do with you. And Simon says, well, then, Lord, wash my whole body. And Jesus said, I'm not washing your body. Because your body's not dirty, just your feet. But then he says something really weird, like, but there is somebody in the room who is dirty. And he's talking about Judas. And then Jesus sits down. And he says, okay, guys. I've given you an example. You saw me wash your feet. Now here's what I want you to do. I want all of you, every one of you, look around in the room right now. Look at the person beside you. Just make eye contact for a minute. Is it awkward? I want you to wash each other's feet. So you wash her feet. You wash his feet. You wash her feet. You wash his feet. You wash his feet. I want you guys to serve each other like this. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, before I tell you what I want you to do, I'm going to show you what I want you to do, okay? Before I tell you to love one another, I'm going to show you what it looks like to love one another. It's this life of service and love. And so, here's what happens. Jesus says, okay, here's the deal, guys. I'm going away. I'm only going to be with you a little longer. And so we've got to have a talk. There's some things that are really, really important. And what's really, really important is that you love one another. This is a new command. Now, you might say, 
Wait a minute, I'm pushing back. That's not a new command, is it? Actually, it's not, because in Leviticus, we find these words, Do not seek revenge. This is the Torah. These are Jewish people. They've memorized these words. They know them by heart. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But, read with me, Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So it's not that these words are new or they haven't heard them before. It's the type of love that Jesus is calling for. And you find that again in the passage where Jesus says, Love one another as I've loved you. What does that mean? Get down on the floor and crawl around. And wash people's feet. He's not talking about this feeling that I, I feel love right now. No, no, no. He's talking about doing. Th- this is an action verb. It's stuff that you do. You, you actually say, God is first in my life, but after God, then, then you're second. And God's going to take care of me. But you matter, and what's going on in your life matters, and what you need matters. And so I'm going to look out for you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to watch out for you. God God will watch out for me. And can you imagine when a watching world begins to say, Wow, those Christians, they just blow my mind, man. They're always looking out for each other. I'm not in that community because I'm not a believer, but I kind of want to be in that community because in that community, it's crazy how much they look out for each other. I want to be in a community like that. Now, you can push back and I'm okay with it. You can say, you're only talking about loving other Christians. And and we know that there's more to this thing. What about loving people who aren't Christians? That's important. In fact, in the Gospel of John, the same Gospel, John 3.16, you know it by heart. God so loved the world. How much? That He gives His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him will have life. And then Jesus says, this work I've been doing, now you guys are going to carry it on. As the Father sent me into the world, I'm going to send you into the world. So you're going to help people come to know Jesus. But that's not what He's talking about right here. Right here He's talking about... You, Doug, and the guy sitting behind you and how you guys are going to relate to each other in life. He's talking about you and the person sitting behind you and you and the person sitting beside you. And he's talking about you guys over here and these people over here and how you guys are going to get along in this world. That's what he's talking about here. Here's the problem. It's not a suggestion. Jesus isn't saying, I had a good idea just now I thought of. Okay, see what you think. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. So, so if you say, hey Rick, okay, I, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really much into church and church people. Just send me out to where people don't know Jesus and I'll just... I'll just deal with them, and I just want to help people come to know Jesus. I love that. But it's not either or. I mean, if you say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm not into the church people at all. I, I just want to go, you know, and just get with people who are 
who are needing love and all of that, Jesus would say, yeah, it doesn't work that way. You need to be into the church people too. It's not, am I going to love the people in the church or am I going to love the people out of the church? Jesus says it's not either or, guys. It's both and. You love both. So let's just get honest with each other for a minute. Just talk about the climate that we're living in today. It's a very divisive culture that you and I are part of. And uh, some of it has been, uh, you know, perpetuated by social media. And uh, you can kind of just go on and just kind of type whatever you want and blast whoever you want. And, And I don't get this. I'm as confused as I'll get out. But the church is doing it. I, I don't understand it for the life of me. It's like Christians on social media arguing with each other. And the whole world is just watching. And nobody is saying, I want to be a part of that community. They're going, those people fight a lot. And, and, and for the life of me, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know why we can't get these words of Jesus. Where Jesus says... The way that you love one another, that's how people are going to know that you're Jesus people. That's what's going to make you different. That's what's going to make people want to become like you. Because you're not going to get on social media and fight with each other. You're going to love each other deeply. Even with people that you don't agree with every issue on. And when we talk about the church, we're not talking about like... uh, You know, people who are in your same denomination. People who agree with all 16 of your articles of faith. We're talking about the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. And and I love the fact that I can have people who are pastors of other churches, other denominations and non-denominations. And we don't agree on everything. But man, I can love that person deeply and respect them and see them as brothers and sisters in Jesus. And we don't have to agree on every detail just to get along, right? And to love each other. So N.T. Wright is an awesome New Testament scholar. And here's what N.T. Wright says. He says, This is to be the badge that the Christian community wears. Think about this. I mean, this is, this is the badge, okay? Before the watching world. Because the world is watching you. I don't care what you say. And I think in this climate they're watching more than ever. So he says, as we read verse 35, love one another as I've loved you, we are bound to cringe with shame at the way in which professing Christians have treated each other down the years. We have turned the gospel into a weapon of our own various cultures. We've hit each other over the head with it. (laughs) We've even burned each other at the stake with it. We have defined one another so tightly... That it means only love the people who reinforce your own sense of who you are. Let me tell you something. God has got a lot of children on this earth. And they don't all go to the church you go to. And they don't all believe everything you believe. But they are our brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I'm going to 
I'm going to get wound up here in a minute, okay? These guys over here wearing these caps and gowns, you, you are the people, the people who are coming behind you, who can truly change it. You can be the generation that says, we're not going to fight anymore. We're going to love like Jesus called us to love. I was out in Los Angeles, uh, I don't know, a couple, three weeks ago for a little conference. And I was shocked by what happened. The, the conference organized a little, uh, a little Nazarene history tour. So 110 years ago, a guy named Phineas F. Brzee, name your kid Phineas, go ahead. Phineas F. Brzee was really credited as the founder of the Church of the Nazarene. So out in the streets of Los Angeles, okay, downtown Los Angeles, um, he started, you know, having services, and he was a former Methodist minister, and that's the beginning of the Church of the Nazarene. And so uh, I went to this church, Los Angeles, old Los Angeles First Church of the Nazarene, and down in the basement there's some archives, okay? And, and, and I got to see some pretty cool things. So right here we go. That's Dodger Stadium. That's cool, and I saw that first. And then I went, and I saw this stuff next, okay? Uh, this is a pulpit that Phineas Brzee preached from. Pretty neat. I'm just standing there, holding on to the sides of it, thinking this is pretty awesome. Phineas Brzee stood behind this pulpit and preached. The founder of the Church of the Nazarene 110 years ago. It was awesome. The next slide I love because under the plexiglass are his actual sermon notes of one of his sermons. So I, I love that. I thought that was just absolutely awesome. I thought it was pretty cool. How many of you are trying to read those notes right now? They, they are really difficult to decipher, I'll tell you. I've, I've tried really close up and it's hard. So, those of you who are thinking would say, Hey Rick, this love one another deal you're on to so heavy this morning. So what, what's our heritage? What's our DNA on this? Who are we in our history on this subject? So I'm, I'm glad you asked because I'm excited to tell you. Let me give you some words of Phineas Brzee, okay? Here's what he says. In essentials, what does he mean by that? He means whatever is essential to salvation, okay? In essentials, unity. Okay, if, it, if this is essential to your salvation, we've got to be united. We've got to agree on this. I understand. But in non-essentials, meaning if it's not essential to salvation, liberty. What's he saying, Rick? He's saying, would you give a brother and sister a little freedom along the way? Would you back off a little bit? Would you give them a little space? If they don't see it exactly like you see it, would you just breathe a little bit? Would you just let them be them and let you be you? But in all things, read these words with me, but in all things... Yeah, if it pertains to salvation, I agree. We've got to be together. But if it's not, then could you just give a little space? And could you not judge somebody because they don't see everything like you see it? Just give a little grace. <laughs> could you just still put your arm around that person and call them your brother in Christ? And your sister in Jesus. And just before you ever type the next sentence, just 
pray really hard before you hit post. And could maybe one day people who aren't Christian say to themselves, I don't get it. It's, it's crazy, man. But these Christians, they love each other so much. And they serve each other like crazy. And they're very selfless in the way they live in community. And I'm not in that community because I'm not a Christian. But one day I think I might get in that community because you want to be in that community. And sometimes statistics tell us that people are running from our churches today. I want people to turn around and run back to the church. Because Jesus is the answer to all of life. So, let me pray. Father, help us to love one another. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, where our hearts need changing this morning, change them. And let us love to the point that the watching world sees it. And they see it to the point they can't hardly get over it. And they're drawn to a community that loves one another and serves one another. to the ways of culture. Because, Father, Your Son, Jesus, was countercultural, And so let us live counterculturally in such a way that the watching world scratches their heads and says, wow. Like people said, when they saw Jesus. Wow. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.